If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. A bequest allows you to receive an estate tax charitable deduction and reduces the tax burden on your family. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the Word of the Lord endures forever. Well, when you take up a subject like Donald Trump, it tends to get audience reactions. So, there's been some audience reaction to our recent conversation during uh, open line session where we were going through listener email, issues, et cetera, comment line. And I hesitate because the more we talk about it, the more we end up talking about it. But we do like our audience reaction. That's why we're going through listener email and the issues, et cetera, comment line. That email address, talkback at issuesetc.org and the comment line, 618-223-8382. Didn't we introduce last week's email slash comment line segment talking about Donald Trump versus Taylor Swift and clickbait? That's exactly what we did. And it works. Did we get any email on Taylor Swift? We did not. We didn't say anything negative about Taylor Swift. I have nothing against it. I don't, I've, I've never, I've never listened to, I can't tell you one song or one song I ever even have listened to her. I have no problem dating the, the, uh, the Travis Kelsey. It's Super Bowl Sunday, by the way. I know you got a play. So, you, you did you find a place for your uh, local drama theater to have its post uh, party? I don't think we did. Oh, I've been too busy <laughs> doing other things. I think it's Tech Week, right? I think she yes, and I think she handed it off to somebody else. Okay. So anyway, so I have no problem. I know very little about Miss Swift, Ms. Swift. I just am tired of. I want to watch football. I'm tired of this this drama and the the cutaways. To her in the whatever box that is where rich people sit. Just play the game. Play the game. So that's probably why we didn't get we didn't say much about Taylor Swift. You did have a lot to say about Donald Trump, and let's get some of our listeners' sure. reaction. Let's read one pro, one con. Ellen writes, This message is for Todd Wilkin concerning his attitude towards President Trump. I am dismayed to hear such self-righteous judgment on a Christian program. Our country flourished under his presidency. No one but Jesus is perfect. I voted for him as president-in-chief, not pastor-in-chief. He kept his word to appoint conservative justices to the Supreme Court. I don't question why he did it. The important thing is that he did it. I would suggest that Todd get off his self-righteous high horse and stop throwing stones. Thank you for providing this opportunity to express my opinion. Other than the never-Trump slant, I am grateful for the blessing of issues, etc., concludes Ellen. Two things. I agree with everything she said, with the exception of the self-righteous. Now, I'm not claiming there's no self-righteousness whatsoever, but to criticize Donald Trump is not automatically self-righteous. Again, to speak the truth is a very Christian thing to do, even when we don't like the truth we're speaking. As to never-Trump... I voted for him once. I plan to vote for him again. I don't know how that would qualify me as never Trump. I did not vote for him in 2016. I did vote for him in 2020. And I plan 
assuming he will be the candidate, which is a virtual certainty unless he goes to meet his maker before that. I plan to vote for him again, largely for the reasons that the emailer names. I'd like to see more progress on the pro-life front. I would hope that he might have some coattails this time so that we could get a few things done. But I don't know if that will happen. But I don't see how voting for him once and then planning to vote for him again makes me a never-Trumper. Although there are people for whom, and I don't think it's true of this listener, but there are people for whom any criticism of Donald Trump is intolerable. He cannot be criticized, period. I do not understand that. That is as irrational a position as people who cannot say anything good about the man. And the things she said about his tenure were absolutely true. I agree with him. But it doesn't apply both ways. How do you mean? Some of those same people say you can't say anything positive about Joe Biden. That's true. (laughs) For me, again, it comes back to Christians embrace the truth even when we don't like what it says. We embrace it. We are commanded to be lovers of the truth. So we go wherever the truth takes us. I think, and this is where I gave you a little pushback last week, I think because you were saying it's transactional, you were kind of getting into his mind. So like, like as a pastor, you can only go by a person's confession and their deeds, right? So I th- you were saying that you don't believe he really is pro-life because he views things as transactional and as long as he sees this as a political benefit, well, and do I, it. I, I but two, that's, that's I, not a truth issue. I that's, had two data points to back it up. As soon as the abortion issue became a political liability to him, he backed off. He called Ron DeSantis's gestational limit law a terrible idea. So I got to wonder why a pro-life president would call a state law that limits the legality of abortion to a certain number of gestational weeks, why they would call that a terrible idea except that he considers it a political liability. And pro-lifers have got to make a choice. Our position will never, ever be politically popular. It never will be. So we have to choose. Do we want to accept the political liability that goes along with being pro-life and protecting the unborn or not? And that's the question I have for Donald Trump. Here's Matt, also in Michigan, Lansing, Michigan. He said, pastor slash Jeff. I'm glad he said slash Jeff. I'm not a pastor, nor do I play one on the radio. Regarding the live caller from Colorado on January 30th who misunderstood the application of the Eighth Commandment when it comes to your coverage of former President Donald Trump, my best construction of the reason for his call, I couldn't help but notice that he wasn't putting his best construction of you and your show. If we followed his logic and definition because he accused you of hate, and said that your show was going downhill, he has every right to have his own opinion, but it was one of the more clear applications of taking the plank out of one's own eye, except in this case, the speck he thought he saw was just your pupil. I thought your response was very pastoral and helpful to hear in real time. P.S. He said he thinks your show is going downhill. I disagree, but he obviously still at the very least finds value in it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be listening to it live. I also find a lot of value in issues, etc. So I wanted to send a quick note of appreciation and gratitude for all you guys do. God's blessings to you all. And thank you for listening, Matt in Lansing, Michigan. Thank you very much, Matt. I thought of that too, but conversations on the Eighth Commandment very quickly devolve into 
accusations of hypocrisy. So you're not putting the best construction on it. Well, are you putting the best construction on it? And that's why I, my response was the best construction still tells the truth. It doesn't make something up and it doesn't, it isn't naive. And the illustration that I used, and I'll use it again, I think I used this. If a police officer is patrolling your neighborhood and sees someone climbing in one of your windows, he doesn't say, oh, that guy must have just locked himself out and he's just going into his house. I'm going to put the best construction on it. No, he says, that's probably a crime I'm witnessing. And the best construction I can put on this is that guy's trying to break into the house. So the best construction doesn't say take something that's wrong and say that it's turned into something that's good. And I think this is widely misunderstood by Lutherans. I am struck by how often best construction comes out when it's convenient. If you watch any interaction between Lutherans, we're the only ones who really use that term of art, best construction, from Luther's catechism. If you look at any interactions online between Lutherans, it inevitably comes up. But it always comes up at the most convenient possible moment. And when it's convenient to ignore it, it's also ignored. So I said, President Joe Biden says that he is pro-life. He has manifestly demonstrated he is not pro-life, not in any shape, matter, or form. And that is the best construction I can put on his position. Mark, dear issues, etc. regarding your interview yesterday with Joe Rigney, this is a guy, according to Religion News Service, who was asked to leave his previous institution in part because he favors Christian nationalism. And in a Desiring God post, he builds a straw man equating empathy with sin. Leave it to a Calvinist to come up with that one. I did not leave Calvinism and become Lutheran to play footsie with the ghetto in Moscow, Idaho. By the way, you're not the only podcaster who has dipped his toe in the Moscow waters. There is another flagship LCMS podcaster who gave a favorable interview with Stephen Wolf about his book, The Case for Christian Nationalism. I hope prominent podcasters in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod aren't making this a habit. Turn your back on the crazy Calvinists in Moscow, Idaho. Otherwise, I enjoy the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the email, Mark. So, Jeff, explain to me, because I don't know what's in Moscow, Idaho. Doug Wilson. I don't know who Doug Wilson is. We've, you've interviewed Doug Wilson. When? Just Google search it. You've interviewed him. Yeah. What did we talk about? Uh, I don't know. Uh, like feminization of the church. Okay. You see, it published Credenda Agenda magazine. Oh, yeah. I remember that. F- so we're going way back. Point, we're five going point, back. Yeah. Five point okay. Calvinist. Yeah. So it's got a podcasting blog and May blog or something or other. All right. And was it Rigney? Rigney is somehow associated with Doug Wilson and Moscow. His St. Andrew's College. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, you know, the reason we interviewed Rigney, because a listener suggested an article that he'd written. And my philosophy as an interview host, as a host of an interview program, is when you're right, you're right. So if a Roman Catholic writes something that's right about a certain subject, we can interview him. And if a Calvinist writes something, you know, Calvinists don't get everything wrong. That's why we carefully point out where we disagree. Couldn't have Albert Moeller on the show. I could have, have on the show. I could have Albert Moeller on the show to talk about the doctrine of the Trinity. And if we kept it narrowly to the Trinity, then I think he could do a completely orthodox job. Would I? No, because I think I'd rather not have to step around the landmines that might be there in that theology. But there are places where we can agree with Calvinists. And he was simply saying, if I am, if I'm, not wrong, 
that we have adopted the world's definition of empathy. And the world's definition of empathy is built upon the scaffolding of the oppressed and the oppressor. And you're only deserving of empathy if you can locate yourself in the oppressor category. And he's right. So we'll continue to talk to Calvinists where they're right and to others where they're right. Now that you've rung the Doug Wilson bell, he's kind of a soft Christian nationalist. He's got his own compound or something or town. Yeah, I mean, a, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty big town, but a lot of don't quote me on it. But he's they're they're he's, he's not got a, his he's, own school. He's got his. He's own, not a Christian nationalist in the kind of virulent I, I don't way. Know, but like Jordan Cooper said, what 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 is a Christian nationalist? There are some standards. I guess I would be a Christian nationalist. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what you have to say. What do you mean by Christian nationalism? And you know, and and I appreciate Mark's sentiments, but. It would be great if you pull something from the interview, listen to it, give us quotes. Yeah, that's a great idea. And say, this is why, or you should have asked Rigney this. If we get to this guilt by association, folks, we're going to have a stable about 50 guests. Because the litmus test is, especially within some Lutheran circles, well, so-and-so for the, wrote for the Luther's Large Catechism with annotations and contemporary applications. He wrote a chapter in there. Shouldn't have him on. Well, this person thinks that women should be able to write theology. Out that person goes. Well, let's let's take Chris Rosebro. Chris Rosebro once practiced online communion, which we've told him he's wrong. For which there I there goes Chris yeah. Rosebro. Yeah, I mean, I want people to understand if we, we did this show by guilt by association, I don't think we'd be running almost thirty years. Now. I don't. I don't think we've looked closely enough to associations that Brian Wolfmiller might have that we don't know about. Who knows? Who knows what Wolfmiller, he's the idea man, you know, who knows? He's got, trust me, if I shared some of his ideas on on the thing, people would say, why are you having Wolfmiller on? But he's a great guest. Great, great guest. And I I agree. I think he's one of the best teachers. Our goal is to bring our listeners the absolute best guests that we can on the subject that we're discussing. And again, it wouldn't be much of a show and it wouldn't be on the air if we played the kind of yarn and pins in a corkboard game of guilt by association that some would like us to play. When we come back, we got more listener email and the issues, et cetera, comment line. Here's an easy way for you to help us cast ChristNet on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review the Issues Etc. podcast with your podcast provider. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us reach more listeners in 2024. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today.
The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cares deeply for those who protect our nation. Are you or a loved one currently serving? Ministry to the Armed Forces would like to help. We provide devotional literature to encourage faith. Send your mailing address to lcmschaps at lcms.org or call us at 314-996-1337. Those in uniform are comforted with Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. Do you dream about having stained glass windows at your church, but know they are too expensive to ever get them? Ad Crucem has the solution. Our window clings are an excellent way to enhance the beauty of your church without breaking that glass ceiling. Visit adcrucem.com and reach out to us to work with you on this project. Ad Crucem, established in 2014 and still going strong. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Bilkin. On this Tuesday, February the 6th, we're going through listener email on the Issues Etc. comment line. Here's an email from David. Hi, Reverend Wilkin and Mr. Schwarz. I love issues, etc., but the beatdown on Monday from Lisa Cooper and Josh Pauling was unwarranted. Two interviews that indiscriminately belittled technology. Pauling's thoughts were merely nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. Ms. Cooper's interview, I haven't read her article yet, said very little, if anything, about parents having a positive role in helping their children manage tech. It seemed like Reverend Wilkin was spoon-feeding them, too. No doubt he is in complete agreement with them. Our congregation projects the divine service in its entirety on screens as it would be in the hymnal with musical notes included for the liturgy and hymns on the screen. People have commented positively in this regard. It allows them to follow the service without managing a paper and hymnal significant for visitors and older people, and their heads are up, allowing them to notice others in the body of Christ with them in the Gotesneets. Professor Emeritus James Veltz calls using fancy theological terms like this publicly, sagging meaning showing off in front of people. Conversely, their heads are not stuck looking down in the hymnal. By the way, our kids have been using technology and have had iPhones and internet access since before middle school. All is well in our household. We have a 21-year-old who grew up with it full steam as the technology developed in the early 2000s and teens. In the early zero zeros and teens. What's that? The aughts. The what? Aughts and teens. The aughts? Mm-hmm. What's that? What's aughts? Zeros. Okay. As the technology developed in the early aughts and teens. He is fully adjusted and doing very well in the College of Business at the University of Delaware, and he still comes to church, or as Cooper would say, go to Steens with us. How ironic that show that benefits from the very technology lets these two authors pontif- pontificate way too long, as is said on ESPN, come on, man. Thanks for the email. Thanks for listening, David. Well, look, 
I'm glad it worked for you. Um, I don't think there's anything bad about having a hymnal in your hand, an actual text in front of you that doesn't change and cannot be changed at a whim by whoever's running the projector. I generally think that hymnals and books in the worship are good things. I think the introduction of the screen, the biggest danger there is that the screen is more associated with distraction than with concentration in our world, and you cannot argue that. That is irrefutable that screens are associated with distraction rather than attention, and increasingly so with our young people. My kids are all grown. My daughter and son, by the time smartphones came along, were old enough to handle the technology. Jeff, why didn't you let your kids have smartphones until they were whatever age they are? I didn't, see, I didn't see the benefit. What, what are the benefits? You get the, oh, we got a call for emergency. What, what? That is helicopter parenting. I'm sorry. We didn't have phones. It, what, like, well, if the car breaks down. Well, what did we do when we were growing up? I mean, you, you have all these like, you have all these like worst case scenarios. And how's Jenny going to get a hold of us? Other people have cell phones. Ask to use their cell phone if you're in an emergency. Well, see, I, I never, I just didn't, I, what, what is the benefit at that age when their brains aren't fully developed? And I'm not saying it's a sin. I'm just telling you why we didn't. The thing that stuck out to me, and what would the listeners rather have us do? Warn against the possible dangers to their family or say, it's all good. It's all good. It's neutral. No dangers here. What would the listeners rather have us do? Especially when I think it was Pauling who said the earliest exposure to porn online is eight years old. No, I think that was that Christopher Heaton. Oh, that was Christopher Heaton. Yes. yes. Yeah. Eight years old. So this is what I, you might want to do is ask your kids who have had their smartphones since they were in middle school, if they've seen any porn, go ahead. Ask them if they've seen any porn, ask them if they've seen any porn on their devices. Ask your daughters if you have them. Would you rate your online experience through your device as having helped your mental and emotional health or hurt it? Have you seen anybody being bullied or harassed online? I mean, it's bad enough in person. I so, mean, the, the data on this is irrefutable. Irrefutable, you know, especially on girls, boys, and, and the porn issue. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, a, it's a sin. And I will say this. And, and porn I, is a sin. Well, yeah, porn is a sin. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about you're getting, you're getting a cell phone for your, you know, middle schooler or high school kid or what have you. But we didn't intend, intend to dogpile that day with two tech-related interviews. It wasn't intentional. We're filling airtime. I forget who it was. It was I forget what day. Somebody dropped out an interview, and so it wasn't like, hey, let's do an hour and really smack it to the pro-tech people in the By church. By the way, that's that not how this works. No, no. This, if, that is pretty much the opposite of how this works. We don't sit there and say, who are we going to rag on today? <laughs> or what are, we, what, what, what are we going to tackle today? That requires a lot more forethought than actually occurs around here. It's usually Jeff saying, well, we had so-and-so scheduled and they dropped out. And we were going to talk to him about this. And then sometimes by the time we go to air, we know. So please, you're giving us way too much credit for like planning a barrage on a certain subject because that's not how it happens. 
we're about a half segment short. Let's see if we can get a five minute, six minute Dr. New interview here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dr. New. God is, bless Michael New. Michael New is, he is the consummate filler he's a he's, he's a, a great guest i mean he's the best on the top don't get me wrong but 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 we know when we're like a half a segment short which is about five to six minutes he can get it through he can he can get us and he gets out everything we need to know i can write eight questions and he can answer each of them in 30 seconds and and we get all the information you need and he's prolific it helps that he's constantly writing he bailed us out yesterday yeah so so I apologize, David, you know, we, we, it wasn't intentional to spend, you know, the, half of that day's program, an hour talking about tech related things. And we bring on people like Pastor Trevor Sutton, who's re- author of the book, Redeeming Technologies, that you can get at cph.org or by calling 1-800-325-3040. And I think he's got a very balanced view and he's got young kids too. Right. So I highly recommend that book. Yeah. And it's, it's, he's, he's put a PhD level studies into the technology, the good, the bad, and the ugly. When we come back, we've got a few more minutes of listener email before us and the issues, et cetera, comment line. Then Dr. Andrew Steinman will join us. Often, David dancing in his white ephod before the Ark of the Lord as they go up to Jerusalem is cited as support for liturgical dance, which my own church body only recently eliminated from their national convention. Does it support liturgical dance? Equipping the priesthood of all believers, you're listening to Issues Etc. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we finish Ruth with Ruth Waits with Naomi, Take My Right of Redemption, Boaz Redeems, Ruth Bears Obed, and then we head back into the New Testament with Intro to James. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Jesus the Good Shepherd says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. We invite you to join us as we listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd and follow him who gives us eternal life. Sunday worship services at 9 a.m., Sunday school and Bible class at 1030, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, Arnold, Missouri, on the web at goodshepherdarnold.org. That's goodshepherdarnold.org. Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're going through listener email on the Issues Etc. comment line. Our email address, talkback at issuesetc.org. And the comment line, 618-223-8382. Let's see what David has to say. He listens in California. Hi, David. Hi, Todd. Hi, Jeff. Love the show. I was wondering if on a future episode you guys could address the shortage of LCMS pastors. We are currently calling a senior pastor. It's been over a year since we started that process. And I do hear your awesome commercial talking about the shortage of LCMS chat. So maybe we get somebody from uh, the seminaries in Fort Wayne and St. Louis on, and then maybe even uh, Concordia, just to see how do you even become an LCMS pastor. So that'd be awesome. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you very much. It, it sometimes does take a long, long time. I think 
the longest vacancy I was involved with was more than two years. The congregation, their pastor went off and became the district president, and they were convinced that they would just have pastors just be beating down their door to come to this congregation. And I was involved in the vacancy, I think it was two and a half years, 13 calls later, someone finally said yes. And this was a congregation that was convinced they'd have a pastor within a month. They did, you know, they had vacancy pastors, me and a couple other guys cobbled together pastoral care for them, but that was a long time. That was a long time. So that, that can be very tough. Now, I don't know if there's a shortage or if it's something else. I would have to talk to someone who actually knows the numbers because I've heard, oh, there's a terrible shortage. And I've also heard, no, there isn't because with the kind of the inevitable shrinking of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod within a decade or so, we might have too many. I've heard it both ways. I wonder if it isn't something else, and that is the aging out of the pastors. That we have enough pastors to cover everybody, but we have a lot of pastors just by the force of demographics who are like me or my age. They're in a congregation, they're closing in on 60, and congregations don't want to call a guy who's 60 years old. He's expensive in more ways than one. And you're only getting a couple years out of them, maybe. So a lot of pastors are sitting there, but congregations don't want to call them. And, you know, they're like, I'm 60. I'm, am I taking a call? Am I picking up and moving and going? Now, some will. But I think that might be a, f a bigger factor in the unavailability of pastors rather than the shortage of pastors. But I have to talk to somebody. Who would we talk to to get the actual numbers of rostered guys out there and then say, match that to the congregations. Now, I will there's say there's for, an entire statistics department at LCMS Inc. And I will say that for a long time, there was kind of an assumed pastor shortage because it was, a, it was a, used as a recruitment tool. Oh, we got a shortage of pastors. We need more people out there. But, but we have a lot of pastors going to be going off. Dropping off the rolls. Via retirement or joining the church triumphant. I think the, the question is, and I've heard Hans Feeney, how many congregations can afford to pay the salaries for a pastor and his family? That's part of the problem too. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy for me to sit there and say this, but I think in the future, there's going to be a lot more being pastors of two or three congregations. And that's hard. It is hard. It is hard. But some district presidents do not like that. Because so when it comes time to vote, you have one man who has a lot of influence, basically three votes, two or three votes. Mm -hmm. Now that's cynical. That's right. cynical. But don't think that doesn't happen. Maybe we should talk to Heath Curtis. If he can run the numbers down, Just he, all he has to do is run up the hallway and probably ask someone for, for the raw data and run it through and say, what's the real situation here? And what are we facing demographically? We're talking about a church body that's shrinking. There's no doubt about that. And then we're also talking about congregations that are getting smaller individually as congregations. What does that mean? I'm not a demographer. Maybe we should hire Lyman Stone to run the numbers for us. Yeah, people don't always like that either because it's not most positive. No, <laughs> Lyman's not always positive. 
He doesn't always tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. You remember the beginning? I always say at the beginning of COVID, he said, this is going to last two years and a lot of people are going to die. And some listeners didn't want to hear that. I, I didn't mean, want I to didn't hear want that. to hear it. I didn't want to hear it either. Finally, Leonard writes, Pastor Chris Heaton knocked it out of the park with your interview on pornography. Why am I not remembering this conversation? Todd, because it's it's tech week because he literally <laughs> was in the studio I'm in right now for like a 16-minute oh, right. interview from Fenton, Missouri. No, I Fenton, sat, was it Fenton, Missouri? No, Fulton, yeah, Missouri. Yeah, I sat like, I sat four feet away from him across the glass. <laughs> literally two, three weeks ago, tops. Yeah, I have not been laying down short-term memories for about three weeks. I, I'm like SpongeBob. I've My brain has been dedicated to breathing and fine dining. There's an episode of SpongeBob where he dedicates his brain to breathing and fine dining. It gets rid of everything else. And I'm I'm breathing and finishing my wife's set. So, you know, getting back to their caller from California, we did an interview in 2021 with Dr. Brian Saunders, president of the Iowa East District of the LCMS on calling a pastor. Highly recommend that interview with uh, Dr. Saunders. Just go in the Google search engine in the upper right-hand column at issuesetc.org. Put calling a pastor or Saunders, S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S. You'd find that interview very helpful. But we need to do a program, like you said, or maybe a couple of programs and David's suggestions from California. Excellent suggestions. When we come back from this break, it's time to take up the subject of liturgical dance. Now, usually where people go is Second Samuel. They find none other than King David dancing. He appears to be doing it in the context of worship. We'll sort that all out with Dr. Andrew Steinman author of the Concordia Commentary on 2 Samuel, next. How did God address the Gentile nations through the prophet Isaiah? What is God's message to his own people regarding both judgment and consolation? And how does Isaiah's divine message apply to us today? Find out in the new Concordia Commentary on Isaiah, chapters 13 through 27. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February, the Concordia Commentary on Isaiah 13 through 27. A blind sinner is carried to baptism administered by a pastor. Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. Live weekday mornings at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at issuesetc.org. That was the epiphany event where our eyes were opened to see the amazing grace of God in the very face of Jesus We love our on-demand listeners. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press's award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization, one student at a time. 
Imagine this. What if you planned your vacation? You picked the location based upon where you knew there was a good Lutheran church. Well, we're here to let you know that if you're planning a Southern Oregon vacation, whether you visit Crater Lake, raft the Rogue, fish for salmon, or head down to the Redwoods, there's still a place for you to receive forgiveness. Faith Lutheran Church in Rogue River, Oregon. What's a vacation without the gospel? Faith Lutheran Church, Sundays at 10 a.m. Visit faithrogueriver.org.